0: Hello, it's
1: Paul Scott here. Today, I'm talking to Gordon MacArthur, the CEO, founder, and major shareholder of Beaks Financial Cloud, and also the CFO, Fraser MacDonald. So, welcome, gentlemen.
0: Hi. How are you?
2: Hi. Hi, Paul. Thanks for having us.
1: Not yep. at all. I mean, this is, uh, coincidentally, I booked this uh, interview in uh, immediately after the investor Meat Company webinar, which has just finished, and I watched this, and i direct readers to uh, my Stockopedia readers and listeners to have a look at that as well, because I think that covered a lot of the ground. So this is, we'll try not to duplicate too much. And then, firstly, the disclaimers that I've got to do. I'm not charging a fee. I do hold shares personally in Beaks, and nothing in this podcast is financial advice. And, as always, please do your own research. Um, Okay, first sort of obligatory question is description of the business but I could just slightly modify this because I followed Beaks now for about five years and I'm still not fully confident that I properly understand the main part of the business so could you sort of explain it in idiot layman's terms without any jargon what what
2: your sort of main activities are yeah I'll take that Gordon um Sure. So, I mean, I, I guess people understand cloud computing. Maybe maybe they do, maybe they don't. So, so cloud computing is a, is a catch-all term for um, effectively outsourcing um, computer infrastructure or, or IT systems, right? So, the cloud is a bunch of servers and networking equipment that sits in data centers that people access and use, themselves and, you know, have month-to-month billing and can turn um, computer resources up and down as they want to support the business, right? So we are cloud computing. You know, we deploy lots of high-powered IT equipment and data centers and put wrappers around it to allow our financial services customers to do that, right? So we only focus on financial services and capital markets, IE trading infrastructure and everything that supports that with a little bit of payments as well. So, so cloud computing, so you can buy from us and various types of wrappers, public cloud, private cloud, proximity cloud, compute resources directly connect to trading venues, right? So, unlike an AWS and a Google, we don't you know, facilitate healthcare or manufacturing or anything like that. We pick our data centers that we deploy our cloud, i.e. these big banks of servers and networking equipment, and particular financial services-focused data centers, um, and we connect to various counterparties directly through five direct point-to-point cables from us, to a bank, a broker, or an exchange. So it's cloud computing for financial markets, and there's various wrappers that we have around it, like how it delivered, and that's where we get into things like public, private, and proximity. Um, so public cloud is everything shared. You come in over the internet, you buy a server in a particular location, the server's then deployed for you very quickly, and you get access to do whatever you like with that. That's a, a public cloud environment smaller part of our business now. Private cloud. Private cloud is is similar, but private cloud tends to be the end customer gets dedicated compute resources, i.e. dedicated servers to them, fit to their own use, whereas in public they have a slice or a part of a server that's also had, another customer has a slice of that server as well. The so private cloud really is where it doesn't have to be all components of that of that infrastructure are for that end client, but tends to be the compute resources, and there might be a level of shared networking and, and shared connectivity. Proximity and exchange cloud are our latest iterations are everything dedicated to a client. So we'll put in a you know kind of end-to-end mini cloud environment in a data centre that is fully. Focused on that particular end client, so yeah, I mean, cloud computing is just using other people's servers. If you, you know, if you want a real basic um, description of what it is. Mm. And on the investor meet
1: company uh, presentation a, a moment ago, I, I took some notes, and the things that really made me sit up and uh, get my highlighter pen out was the um, potential deal sizes that you're talking about in the pipeline proximity cloud and exchange cloud. I mean, these sound such big numbers. They sound transformational. So, could you talk us through those two products yeah. in particular?
2: Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah, of course. So, so proximity cloud we launched. Uh, I don't almost eighteen oh, months. August. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay. So a year just over a year ago now. Um, and and proximity cloud came about from us talking to lots of big institution, banks and exchanges and brokers, about our shared model, right? And, you know, the ability to take infrastructure from us that's in a, a beaks hosted space. Um, and, you know, the business segment of a bank and a broker love the flexibility and the, you know, elasticity and they can spin things up and you don't have to wait for procurement and all that nice stuff. Um, but we kept getting to compliance and security teams who just will not allow a bank or a broker's infrastructure to be in a shared platform and accessible by the Beaks engineering staff, right? Because it's mm-hmm. us, that, you know, we, we host it in our spaces, so therefore if something breaks, we go in and fix it. The Proximity Cloud really was, was us trying to answer these security and compliance questions. And what we designed <laughs> was a standalone rack and data center's full of just racks of equipment, right? I don't know if anyone's seen pictures Mm. of of, of them or been in them, but you have racks of equipment. So Proximity Cloud is an end-to-end trading environment in a pre-built rack that we can put in a client site, right? So it's it's not new technology per se. It's still got all the component parts that we've been doing for the last 10 years, low-latency network. Yeah, you know, bare metal servers, virtual machines and, and analytics over the last few years since we bought the Metrics. So the key differentiator is we hand it over to a client, right? And it kind of can sit in their own space under their own security model. And they manage it themselves via the automation that Beaks have built our own IP, right? So they get a nice user interface where they can deploy infrastructure themselves. They can uh, check the performance of that infrastructure, and more recently, they can see the the full end to end trade analytics package that we that we put in as part of it. So, it's a it's a pre engineered private cloud that goes in a customer space. I know there's a bit of jargon in there, but I I, I, it's, I struggle to do it without a, a minimal amount of jargon. Um, yes, yeah. so. Kind of unique in our industry, right? There's, there's not really anyone um, in our kind of classic space that can deliver an IT platform like this. And it's charged on a month-to-month basis, depending on how much computer network and analytics you want in that rack. And you can have from one rack to 100, as many as you want, all pre, pre-installed. pre and, and, and this is... This is Proximity Cloud you're that's talking proximity. about, just now Yeah. Yeah. The pro- and, and that's for us. Proximity Cloud is really a single-use single, <laughs> single use platform, i.e. a bank or a broker or a technology company will buy it for their own use, single-user <laughs> platform. So we launched that. Dur- during the pre-launch, we had been talking to... ICE as we're kind of allowed to announce now, so we announced that we had... Um, signed uh ICE Global Networks part of the ICE Group, which is the biggest exchange group in the world, um, as the first customer for exchange clouds. We kind of hinted that, you know, we were working with a number of larger exchanges. Yeah. So when we when we built Proximity Cloud, we were talking to ICE about it and we the use case that they wanted was to give it to their customers, right? To deploy it in their data centers and for their end users to be able to access and use that infrastructure in the rack. So we went from Proximity Cloud is a single-use platform for one customer. Exchange Cloud is still the same technology, but it's a multi-homed system. So you can have four or five, however many clients you want on there, depending on how much infrastructure they need, all in their secure area within that rack. So they can't see anyone else's network traffic. They, they can't see anyone else's data. It's, it's split up across multiple customers. So that's where that is exchange cloud. Right? That's how it was born. It was in discussions with ICE and others about giving them a platform that they can put in their own data center in the exchange data center, and then they can give that, offer a cloud service to their clients. Where previously that wasn't available, and multiple clients can be on that same infrastructure. So proximity, single use, exchange cloud, multi-home platform.
1: Right. I'm just while you've been talking, I've been googling ICE, and it's uh, exchanges and clearing group, isn't it? Uh, is this the one that owns the New York Stock Exchange? Is that right? Correct.
2: Right. Yeah. So Ace ah. of Yeah. So of the largest. Exchange group in the world, the old New York Stock Exchange, ICE Global Networks, they've got a whole raft of technology and clearing um, clearing um, capability in the group. So yeah, you know they are. If if you look at exchange groups by market cap, the biggest one in the world is ICE, right? So a major endorsement of our technology. It was a two year it was a two year journey with them, right? Um, You know, in, in partnership with them to. To build the product out, particularly there's some of the requirements and and go through the journey with them. So, you know, it wasn't an overnight win, and a, you know, but a, a major endorsement. It's gone through all sorts of testing, as you can imagine, of someone of that nature for so them allowed to be allowed to promote it under their They sell it for us, right? It, it's you buy it under ICs, or IC's Global networks terms mm. and conditions, so you don't contract with Beaks. We contract with the exchange, and then they sell that as a service to the clients. How interesting that such a
1: large group came to a small company in Glasgow to oh, yeah. to, to set this up.
2: That's quite something, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, I, yeah. I mean, it, it, as I say, it's been quite a journey with them. And, you know, we as we said in the kind of investor meeting, you know, some, it's not just ice that we're talking to, right. They were, they were, you know, the original partner, but, mm-hmm. you know, if you look it down at the list of the, the next 10, you know, the 10 top global equity exchanges, you know, we've got dialogue with quite a chunk of them, you know, various different stages of the sales cycle for exchange cloud. Um, but, you know, um, so there's a material opportunity for us as a group, um, yeah. To sell site like, in partnership with some of the other bigger exchanges as
0: well. So, sorry mm-hmm. to interrupt. Uh, Gordon, is it worth them um, fleshing out to, to Paul the fact that this is a completely new revenue stream for the exchanges as well? So something that they, mm-hmm. they can monetize?
2: Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, so an exchange previously um, will sell you or give you access to the data center that they're in and, and you know, give you an empty rack and a um you know, power and space and, and it's up to you to then go and put your own infrastructure in there. This gives them another value add service where they can sell that to their members. And there's a load of soft benefits around it, right, for the exchange. A, you know, it's a service that they are commercializing and selling, but it also means it's a faster time to market for them. You know, previously if, if a client they sign a new fund they take the rack. They have to go and engineer it. They have to fit it out. It can take months and months. This stuff can get turned up in an hour, right? So, you they have they have the ability to get the counterparties trading quicker with them. It's a lower barrier to entry. You can start from a thousand, come a thousand dollars a month. And c- taking your own rack and your own environment, and your own footprint is a lot more expensive than that. So it lowers that barrier to entry for some smaller firms as well. So. As a service, and you know, it has a low a bunch of soft benefits for the various different exchanges. Mm. And what really made me uh, quite excited,
1: really, listening to the investment company webinar, were the sizes of these deals in your pipeline. I mean, could you reiterate the the, the sort of yeah. figures that, given that you've got the bulk of the 2023 revenue pretty much in the bag already from recurring revenues this yeah. is this is this is extra isn't it over and above could you could you talk us through
2: that yeah sure so i just to start with the, the, the you know where we are in terms of the 2023 revenue so i think you know at the trading update our, our, our results we were at 19 and a bit 19.3 i think it was committed annual revenue um you know we announced a couple of you know, medium-sized deals that result. So we're 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 already you know a couple of months into the year, in excess of twenty million annually committed run rate, which is you know a fair way towards the the twenty you know the twenty-five uh, forecasts out in the market. So um, I think you know you look at just to kind of go over the products. A private cloud deal can be as small as three to five hundred k, right? Of of TCV um, depends how many years and how much it is. Um but that can scale up. I mean we announced our biggest ever private cloud deal in the, in the first quarter at you know, over four million um of total contract value. So, you know, it's can start small but can scale up. And, you know, we th- that's been a growth engine for the business over the last couple of years. Proximity cloud is anywhere between two to five million, I think, is, is kind of you know, sweet spot for what a customer might take and start with it. And again, they might scale that above that, but we would see that as a kind of entry-level, you know, and this is TCV, typically four- to five-year deals. Mm. But Fraser Fraser will talk about revenue recognition later in the call because this is important. Um, But Exchange Cloud can be much more material than that. If you look at some of the biggest exchanges in the world, they have a 1,000 racks of customer equipment in their data center. Now, a rack... Ballpark Iraq is you know 800k or a million pounds of TCV to us. So even if you get if we can win exchanges and get three to four percent of their footprint, you know you can do the maths. It won't start at that right. That's that's you know we would expect exchange cloud deals to be starting you know maybe three to five million, but with a view that that can go to 20 million within. Uh, a period and this is all t c v right so it's yeah know, over four or five years yeah yeah but but you know that's that's a, you know we're we're not for a second saying everyone in that data center is going to move over to a Beats part because they won't right there are people people though some people like to do this stuff themselves, but you know if you can if you can take three or four percent of an exchange's footprint in partnership with them and we can do that around multiple exchanges in the world, then it shows the size of the opportunity that is ahead of us in the next couple of years. And it just all depends on uptake. So, So, you know, we now have a pipeline, and that we talked about pipeline in uh, um, the uh, the uh, announcements on Monday. We have got a pipeline that we've never had before, right? And it sits across n- nicely across all of our segments, some small deals, some medium sized deals, and, and we've got some mega deals. Sales cycle varies dramatically on on all of them. I mean, mean, ICE was two years, right? Our our, our global network was two years. That might not be unusual, right? These are very big strategic pieces of um, infrastructure. Exchanges do not put their name to this lightly because it's their service. So Mm -hmm. a great rubber stamp, ICE have done it, but the other exchanges still want to go through their own security testing, their performance testing, you know, analytics and everything. So long it but that involved sales processes, you know, you, you they don't just there's a lot of resources they have to put into to go through the process with us themselves. So it's a really qualified, quality pipeline. It takes a long time to convert, but that's there's just no way around it. So so yeah, pipeline is really exciting.
1: Yeah, that's great. I mean, one of uh, I think in the most recent results statement, a couple of people got slightly spooked, maybe misunderstanding the outlook comment about the uh, the length of time it takes to sign contracts. So it, I think some people misinterpreted that as being a, a sort of a bit of a negative that maybe things yeah. are slowing down because of the macro situation. So is there an element of, of macro? But, but it was the icing on the cake effect.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think what we like the, the the two announcements or the the announcements, the two deals made on Monday, you know, smaller deals, was really to show that these private cloud deals that are shorter sales cycle are still you know happening regular basis and you know shows no sign of slowing. Proximity Cloud we've already won some business and and we've got some short term pipeline. Exchange Cloud is an extra layer on top of all of that pipeline that we've got. What we're flagging there is: don't expect to be seeing exchange cloud wins every couple of weeks because it's not going to be like that. But we would hope that you know the the next the next period that we have got some material news. Uh, and this depends on, on the length of the sales cycle. So it's not we're not saying our overall sales cycle are slowing down. What we're saying is that in this new business segment it yeah. comes with a higher sales cycle. Longer sales cycle, but a higher ticket size.
1: Yeah, brilliant. That's what I thought. So it's it's good to
2: clarify that. Um, now, one of the other
1: Stockopedia readers is asking about contracts, saying that the revenues are mostly recurring. Um, but how sticky are your customers once they're signed up, and what what
2: rate of customer churn do you have? Sure. So, so yeah, it's incredibly sticky. You know, these are trading platforms, and again. <laughs> I don't. It sounds like a negative thing, but getting into a big organisation is incredibly difficult because of the level of inertia in these organisations. Where you know if something works, you know you just you continue to use it. You know, yeah. we don't you don't make changes because of the amount of money money flowing through these systems. They don't change them at the drop of a hat, right? So if you become if you become the incumbent supplier, inertia works and. In, on your side, unless you, unless you, your quality of service is, is not good enough, right? So, mm-hmm. so, it's an incredibly sticky business. We monitor churn at the board level, a board meeting every month, and we get churn in the, you know, the smaller uh, public cloud and maybe some private cloud, but we, we are looking at anything that 1% of revenue, you know, of that kind of monthly recurring revenue per month is, is, is acceptable just because people, you know, strength environments, and, and that's the whole point of a cloud service right? you can't do that. So 1% on the kind of annually committed, you know, run rate um, mm-hmm. is, is anything over that, then we would flag at the board meeting. So we keep our, we keep our, an eye on it, but we don't see huge amounts of churn. It's a very sticky business.
1: Good. Okay, let's look, talk about CapEx next. This is another thing that some of the Stockopedia readers flagged. Now, I identified from analyzing the numbers that the 10 million physical CAPEX plus 2.6 million capitalized development spend in the year to June 2022 did look quite high, but about half that, about 5 million of that CAPEX was, was one-offs, like buying freeholds and increased lease liabilities. So 5.2 million, what I would call regular CAPEX, doesn't, doesn't seem excessive um, for the growth, so how do you see that panning out? Do you have to keep spending on more and more capex
0: with each new client? or? Um, I, I can pick this one up, Paul. Yeah, you're right, and you know, that, that was helpful. I, I read how you, uh, you called that out as well. So you're right, there's one-offs in there. So, you know, £5 million, you know, is it typical? Probably. Um, a couple of million pounds was additional in terms of, we, we have at the year end, in terms of stock, I think. Um, Gordon mentioned at the investor meet call, you know, that, that £2 million of, Capacity we have up in our, our Glasgow head office will effectively, you know, deliver you know a, a huge proportion of that that twenty five million revenue number. So we we did do a bit of front loading, and we always we always do that because you know, particularly given some of the you know supply chains that are still lead times are still sort of fourteen fifteen weeks. We always we always need that capacity up front um, as as that as supply chains start easing, we'll, we'll potentially hold uh, less stock. But um, we, we did that following the raise in, in April. We we knew we wanted capacity in advance. Um, it, it can be quite difficult to predict it uh, going forward because, you know, as, as we talked about, some of these deal sizes out there will require quite, you know, a chunky amount of, of capex, depending on how big they are. Um, so, you know, based on the kind of run rate and that, that 25 million target, I guess, you know, a 5 million capex is probably, you know, reasonably t- typical if we're looking at run rate stuff for the year ahead and, and you know, not and, and the other stuff over and above may require additional
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and obviously the inventories that you referred to, 1.8 million that were new this year, that would just shift into fixed assets, wouldn't it? So it wouldn't actually be any additional
0: cash flow. Potentially, depends. So yes, if it's if it's private clouds, um, so proximity exchange clouds are different ownership model. So ultimately, and this is why we have to record stock at year end because we can potentially sell that to the customer. So proximity oh, okay. exchange, cloud, they, it, it's a customer sale, so they will own the hardware, so it won't actually it on our balance sheet and depreciate it, so, you know, depreciate through. So it, it is a different model, and, you know, that's why sometimes it depends on the shape of these deals, how that, how that you know, how that um, cost uh, going forward looks like, and, and also how our, our depreciation charge looks going forward.
1: Yeah, and another reader uh, latched onto this and said um, most IT companies, they look at um, software companies and so on. Seem to bill up front and have positive uh, cash flow, whereas big seems to do it the other way around, incurring capex up front and then, uh, to, you know, charging the clients monthly thereafter. So I think we've discussed this before, but couldn't you improve the cash flow model by getting
0: some cash up front from clients and maybe yeah, leasing, I've, I've, leasing equipment instead of buying it? Yeah, all of the above, and we, we've been talking quite a bit about the, the, this week, um, you know, at the, the investor meeting. So. Cash up front, absolutely you know I think that's something that we are something that we are looking at, and uh, we don't want to be in an endless cycle of of, of raises every year it's you know it's, it's time consuming uh Dalit's Gordon he's probably <laughs> <less> <laughs> than me um you know so getting more so that that's the biggest you know if you look at our our operating cash flow, our operating cash flow is up to almost seventy percent year on year which which is good we, we, you know we have invested a chunk of that, so the more we can get up front, the better and we are looking. You know, at the future contracts, whereby you know we, we will cover a chunk of that up front and that will help ease our balance sheet. And we are, you know, we are also looking at debt and lease finance as well. So you know, we have a, a, a an RCF facility that you know we've 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 paid down because we've got cash in the bank. But you know, we're looking at doubling that, um, and we're talking to our lenders to do that. And as we were, we're starting to employ asset finance as well. You know, we want yeah. to preserve a bit more cash on the balance sheet. Um. Um. You know. So I think a combination of all those in terms of finance, cash payments up front. Will, you know, will start. With, you know, help that that working capital strain. Yeah,
2: and yeah. I think just just to add to that, Paul. So it's important mm. for us as a business, not only you know for an investor and you know what have you to like. These large tier one organizations look at the strength of our balance sheet, and are we going to be here next year or the year after so mm. you know it's not it 's in our interest not only you know to you know to not have to go and continually do raises or or whatever you know we have to show a healthy cash balance as part of that due diligence process, so, as Fraser says, we are going to be very protective of that cash balance and use various levers that you identify to ensure that now, that doesn't drain. See, I you know that we have to do any kind of short term, short term raises. I, I'm, depending on the deal sizes and, and what happens over the next couple of years, you know, if you get some mega deals, then we, you know, we we hope to work with the customer to try and give a payment profile that protects that balance as well.
1: Oh, that's very reassuring because I know we had quite a vigorous debate on uh, Stockopedia earlier this week. I said, look, the balance sheet's strong; it's got. I think twenty-four million net tangible asset value. Uh, the, the, the cash hasn't been burned. You know, you've used it for things that are, you know, tangible, buying tangible assets and so on. And you've really got gross cash of just over ten million, because the mortgages are not going to be paid off uh, anytime soon, are they? So I think it's fine. But some of the readers challenged this, so that, that's why I wanted to raise it really. And obviously, yeah. as the, the major shareholder, Gordon with thirty-seven percent still, you don't you don't want to
2: dilute, do you? No, I, you know, I, I think, um, you know, I, I I have sold down a bit as as we've grown, and um, you know, it kind of maybe comes into one of these the other points that I did see in Stockopedia. You know, we, um, you know, I, I don't I don't take any material wages from from the the company. I take I'm the lowest yeah. paid member of staff. I, I don't take any share <laughs> options that get issued. Um, you know, I I've sold down some of my holding. Um, you know, to to. Could pay bills, right? So I, you know, I I don't want to do that. I'm I'm in a, a decent position, but I don't want to dilute both myself, staff, investors, shareholders, any further than we need to. So yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Obviously, I'm I'm heavily personally invested here.
1: Well, that's, yeah, absolutely, and it shows because I mean, in five years, you've only significantly diluted, and even then, not not that much in percentage terms, in April this year for very clear reasons. So, you know, the owner's eye is definitely an important thing, I think, for investors. Um, Now... The the one issue that the readers flagged um, the most that I, I I don't like to bring up something negative but the share options charge yeah. now this this consumed about eighty percent of the underlying yeah. profit of two point one million so one point seven million share options so I so I need to challenge you on this so yeah. how
2: is it how is it justified I'm happy I'm happy that you have because I did see some chat about this um, so. Um, this is not like boardroom corporate excess here, right? Our share options pot, if you look at the way that we, we pay our staff, right? We all have always have incentivized them with share options. The majority of the share options, so I have all, I have never taken a share option, right? Zero. Never will. It's not going to happen. Really? I've, got, I've got enough shares. I'm fine. <laughs> the next level down, the ops board they are all, everyone in Beaks could walk out tomorrow and get twice the salary they're on, right? You've got JP Morgan, you've got Morgan Stanley, you've got Barclays, all get massive IT shops in Glasgow just around the corner from us. So there's a real, you know, there's a hunt for IT talent in Glasgow. Mm. Our our positioning to staff is, our average staff cost, and this includes the board, it's 65 grand a year, right? It's It's, incredibly low. We incentivize the long term growth. It's effective at an L tip, but the majority of the share option pot goes to I like to call them the worker bees are they're not insulted by that. It's not going to it's not going to big executive only share options pots. We did do usually we do two percent um per annum and that's how we kinda of try to, to limit it. Um we did do a one off four percent this year as a one off only purely because the the teams had worked so hard to get these products out. Um, so this is a percentage
1: percentage of the existing share capital yes. in a uh, additional yeah.
2: dilution. Yeah. Correct. So we, we we we've got a mandate that two percent annually and that gets shared evenly between all of the staff we did we did up that this year as a thank you for you know a lot of the work that's gone in over the covid period to get these um products to market so it's not this isn't this isn't us sitting smoking cigars and drinking whiskey this is to incentivize <laughs> and to and it drives behavior right yeah. we incentivize we we get talent we retain talent by giving them a share in the business. That they can materially help to grow. That one day, if we sell the business or they want to sell the shares, then they top up that, that pay that they can go and they can go and get more tomorrow anywhere in any other the the big banks in, in Glasgow. So yeah, it will go back to will be normalised back to two percent. It was a one off. I get that people could query it, but uh, really it is not it's not either the board, you know, lining our own pockets. This is to incentivise and retain the key all members of staff, right? If you've been there for more than a year, you get a a share of the shares, share options.
1: Well, how interesting. That's a very different perspective, isn't it, to the conclusions that people jump to. (laughs) Uh,
2: Because the opposite, I mean, the opposite is true, right? Even if you add in the share options plan, and and, I can keep me honest here, but I think when you add in the shares from this year, the average pay, including shares, is like 80, 85K. So, like, Mm, we're not, this this isn't excessive.
1: Yeah, yeah, and presumably they must come with lock-ins, do they, for a, a few yeah, years?
2: Yeah, yeah, so it's, yeah. It's a, it's a two to three-year lock-in, mm. and, it, and it's based on us hitting our market forecasts, right? Which is you know, oh. thirty thirty five 35 percent annual growth in EBITDA, whatever it is. So it's not like there's performance, there's some severe performance obligations attached to them, and it's a two to three-year lock-in. It's an L-tip okay for staff.
0: Yeah, and they're, they're nil cost, presumably, when they're are they? I... yes. They're nominal point zero zero one two five of a pound, yes, so effectively free. Got it. Okay. So the, uh, yes. Okay. No, that that's great. That's a really good explanation. Thank
1: you. And I can see why you do it. So um, that makes sense. I think that's pretty much covered everything I had on my list. I know you don't really want to talk about competition. <laughs> no. Nope. Nope. So we don't want to waste time on that. Is there anything I
2: haven't covered that you want to mention? No, I, I listen, I think, you know, you, you've been following us for a while. The analysis is always very good. It's always very honest, both good and bad. And, um, you know, as I said at the end of the IMC call, you know, it's an exciting time for the group and... You know, it's heads down now and execute on what we have. The you know the opportunities in front of us. So, uh, no, I, I have nothing else for me to cover. Yeah. So you've done. I, I know you
1: mentioned in the other webinar you said you know you've done the pro, most of the product development now, and the headcount doesn't need to rise that much. But it's now sales execution that's the priority, isn't it? Is that fair to say?
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Brilliant. Well, good luck, gents. So I hope the the next year. Continues uh, the outstanding progress you're making. So sparkling numbers for, for June 22, I thought, and I'm a, I'm a happy long-term shareholder myself. So uh, fingers crossed. <laughs> okay, Paul, listen. Thank you for the support and thanks for the call. And uh, yeah, speak soon. Likewise. Thanks, thanks very much thank for your you. time, gents. Bye-bye.